Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. Say uh, good morning. It's good to be here this morning. I'm thankful for what I've already yeah. felt here this morning. Hallelujah. Uh, I do want to say I'm thankful for what I felt in this revival. I'm thankful, like Brother Tommy's already mentioned, what help that it's been to me, what yeah. strength that I've gained in through that. And the Lord gave me a thought this past week during this revival. I was listening to a man give a speech, and the thought that the Lord gave me was, hold that line. Hold that line. You know, we just come out of a revival. We've seen souls saved. We've seen people rededicate their life. You know, and oftentimes we've experienced it in ourselves, in our own in our own life. We come out of revival and we get complacent with what happened. We get content of what happened. We're not ready to push forward. We're not ready to go forward anymore. But the Lord told me, he said, hold that line. That line that we just come through. That line that we just seen take place in this revival. Those souls that we just seen saved. Those souls that we've seen rededicated. Hold that line because there's more to come. There's more battles coming our way. There's more fighting that's got to be done. There's more people of God that need to stand up and take the courage, take the take the battle out there because there's things, there's things going on. There's lives hanging in the balance every day. There's people dying and going to hell every single day as it's been mentioned here throughout the service. So we must be willing to hold that line. We must be willing to stand and do our part. We must be willing not to back up because when we start backing up, hey, we know that Satan's going to fight this tooth and nail. I honestly believe believe that there's a revival coming to this church. Yeah. Not only our church, there's about eight churches represented in the men's prayer room, but I believe that God wants to send to every church that's in there. Yeah, I believe man. that God wants to send. Yeah, hey, and it's not just right here in this little area. It's not just right there in the middle. There's churches all over Blount County. It's yeah. mentioned there's a 21-day thing going on. That, hey, there's people knowing that things are going on. There's people wanting to wake up. There's people wanting to see God move. But in order for us to do that, we got to hold that line. Yeah. We can't let Satan creep yeah, in. We can't let... We can't we can't get comfortable with the things that we've seen happen. We can't get complacent. We can't get content and be happy with what we've just yeah. seen done. Because, hey, that's great things. We've seen great things done. We've seen people's souls. Like those are great things that happen. But I'm looking for God to do more. Because there's people in my family. There's people lost that I encounter. There's people that I work with every single day that I am expecting God to get a hold of them. I'm expecting God to do something on their behalf. But in order for God to do something on their behalf, I have to be willing to do my I have to be willing to stand. I have to be willing to fight. No matter what comes, no matter what Satan may tell me, because he's tell us. He taught me right there this morning. He said, "You might as well just sit down, keep your mouth shut. You ain't got no business up there. They don't nobody want to hear you. They want to hear that man. Hey, and that's great. And I understand that that man is a man of God, and I enjoy hearing Brother Tommy preach. But I know that God sent me this way. God sent this message because I believe that our church, you know, and Tommy done mentioned that our church was very well." represented in this revival. It wasn't just a revival for Harmony. It wasn't just a revival for, for New Providence, for Six Mile. There was, at times there was 10, 15 different churches represented during this revival. Hey, that's something that I've never seen. That's something that me and my short time being saved, that's something that I've never experienced. And to me, that encourages my soul and tells me that, hey, there's people wanting to hold that line. There's people waking up and saying, hey, enough is enough. We've got to be willing to fight that battle. We've got to be willing to take it out there, take it to them. Because, hey, we can't do it on our own. God tells us that we must be, we must count on Him. He will be our help, and He will take us through that. And the scripture I want to read this morning is in the chapter 8 of the book of Joshua. 
If you will stand with us this morning, I've got a little more to read than I normally do, so just bear with me if you will. And we'll start there reading in verse 1. And again, that's Joshua chapter 8. And said, The Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither thou be dismayed. Take all thy people of war with thee, and arise and go up to Ai. See, how, see, I have given into thy hand the king of Ai and his people, and his city and his land. And thou shalt do it to Ai and her kings, and thou didst unto Jericho and her king. Only the spoil thereof and the cattle thereof shall you take for your prey unto yourselves. Lay thee an ambush for the city behind it. So Joshua arose, and all the people of war go up against Ai. And Joshua chose out 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them away by night. And he commanded them, saying, Behold, ye shall lie in wait against the city. Even behind the city go not very far from the city, but be ye all ready. And, at, and I... And, I, and all the people that are with me will approach unto the city, and it shall come to pass when they come out against us at first, then we shall flee before them. For they will come out after us till we have drawn them out from the city, for they will, and they will say they flee before us as the first thereof, and then we'll flee before them. Then you shall rise up from the ambush, seize upon the city of the Lord your God. He will deliver it into your hands. And it shall be with when you have taken the city that you shall set the city on fire according to the commandment of the Lord. Ye do. See, I have commanded you. Joshua therefore sent them forth, and they went to lie in ambush and abode between Bethel and Jordan and on Ai and went on the west side of the Ai. But Joshua lodged that night among the people. And Joshua rose up early in the morning and went and numbered the people and went and he went the elders of Israel before the people. And all the people, even the people of war that were with him, went up and drew nigh and came before the city and pitched in the north side of Ai. Now there was a valley between them and Ai, and he took about 5,000 men and set them to lie in ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the city. And when he had set their people there, their people, even all the hosts of the city was on the north, and on the city their wires wait on the west side of the city. Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley. And it came to pass when the king of Ai saw it that they hastened and rose up early and the men of the city went out against Israel to battle. And he and all his people at a time appointed before the plan, but he was wist that there were, not that there were wires and ambush against him behind the city. And Joshua and all, the, and, and all Israel made as if they were beaten before them and they fled the way of the wilderness. And all the people that were in Ai called together to pursue after them and they were pursued after Joshua and drawn away from them. And there was not a man left in Ai or Bethel that went out not out after Israel. And they left the city open and pursued after Israel. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Stretch out thy spear that is in thy hand toward Ai, for I will give it into thy hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that he had in his hand toward the city. And the ambush arose quickly out of their place, and they ran out as soon as he had stretched out his hand. And they entered into the city, and they took it, and they hastened to set the city on fire. And when the men of Ai looked behind them, they saw, and behold, the smoke of the city ascended up to heaven, and they had no power to flee this way or that way, that the people fled to the wilderness, turned back to the, unto the pursuers. And when Joshua and all Israel saw the ambush had taken the city, and that they smoked, the smoke of the city ascended, then they turned again and slew all the men of Ai. And the other issued out of the city against them, that they were in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side, and that they smote them so that they let none of them of the remain or escape. 
Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be before you this morning. Lord, we thank you, Lord, just for the opportunity to stand, Lord. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you just hide us behind the cross, Lord. That, Lord, that your word will go out, Lord. And yes. we know that you tell us that it won't grow out void, dear Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, you just set it out, dear Lord, where you'd have it to go, dear Lord. Lord, you be with us, dear Lord, just hide us behind the cross, Lord. Let's help us, dear Lord, just to lift you up, dear Lord, and acknowledge you, Lord. Lord, in all these things we ask and pray, Lord. Amen. And you may be seated. Again, like I said, I started reading that thought that, I, that, that gentleman gave me. Was hold that line. And I know I've kind of mentioned that already, but hey, we've come through so many wonderful things. There's so many yeah. things that's come through just in my life in this past year from the revivals, from us meeting together, from us praying and yeah. doing diligent work, trying Amen. to serve God that, that I wouldn't have normally did. You know, and I know we just come through 14 days or 13 days or whatever it was of a revival. I know the flesh gets tired. I know the body gets tired. I know that we look, we look out here through the congregation today and you say, the devil's already fighting. He's already got people out of church. He's already got people sick. He's already got people not worried about coming. Hey, that's okay because we know that he's going to be defeated in the end one way or another. We know that God's got the victory, but we got to be willing to get... You know, I believe that there's many lives hanging in the balance of what we do here. Not just here, not just in our church, not just in this assembly, but outside those doors is where it matters the most. We have to be willing to stand. We have to be willing to take this fight out there. See, you know, you can go back to chapter 7 in the book of Joshua and read of what happened. You know, they thought that they were mighty. They thought that they had everything under the control. They thought they didn't need all 30,000 men. They sent just a few men up there and they thought, hey, we got this. We got this easily. We can take care of all this. But you know what they found out? They were sinning again. So and that's what I want to say this morning. Hey, God ain't going to help you fight your battle if you've got sin in the camp. God ain't going to give you the victory if you've got sin in the camp. See, they thought you may be a Christian and that's good. You may say that you had the victory and you do ultimately have the victory. So don't miss Understand me here, but you may be trying to cover that sin up that's in your life and thinking that God's going to bless that, that God's going to take care of that, God's going to hear everything that you yeah. want. But you know, well as I do, standing here this morning, that if you're a Christian and you've got sin in your camp, that God can't bless over sin. He won't bless over sin. So we first got to get that out of the way. See, Joshua went and said, "Hey, what happened? What happened? We had a, we're mighty, way more mightier than they are. There's many of them, many of us." And we go back and we're just destroyed. We lost men because of the sin in the camp. And the Lord revealed to him, hey, there's things going on that you need to get fixed up in your camp. There's things that you need to get taken care of in your camp. And I believe a lot of churches around the world, around our country, around our county, is they've got things that need to be fixed up before we can get things right. Before we can truly see a war take place. Before we can truly see the battle be taken out to Satan, we've got to get the sin removed out of our camp. We heard it all week long to repent, repent, repent on Everything that we do, we must repent. But we also see what happens when we do repent. We see the effects of the work that God can do. We see people moving. We see God, Holy Spirit, drawing people to the altar. We see people being born again. We see people rededicate. Hey, I got help that I didn't even realize that I needed. But why? Because I had to go. I had to first yeah. submit myself to God saying, God, I need your help. Amen. I need you to move in my Amen. life. I need you to move on my behalf to make me stronger, to make me better, to get this filthiness out of my life, to take the sin that may be Amen. hidden that nobody knows anything about. I need you to expose it to Amen. me so I can get rid of it. Yeah. If we'll all be honest with ourselves, every one of us has some sin in our life that we need to expose, that we need to get rid of because it's easy. 
Yeah. It's easy to serve the flesh. It's easy to let sin creep in. It don't take yep. two weeks. It don't take right. two years. It takes two minutes, two seconds. Amen. You get a thought come in your mind that you acknowledge and you keep going with. You've done sin against God and you've got to repent before you can get yeah. right with God. Yeah. It don't matter how big or how little. God won't bless over any sin. And there is lives hanging in the balance of what we do here. Not just by the man of God standing behind the pulpit. Not just by the song leader. Not just by the deacon. Not just by the churchman. The whole church. There's people watching exactly every single move that you make. Every single thing that you do. Every idle word that you say. There are people watching and counting on you to lead them. You know, you say, and I work with a bunch of people, a bunch of lost people. Some of them profess Christianity, but you let them get mad. Yeah. And God's the furthest thing that comes out of their mouth. Yeah. Yeah. There's problems with that. I have issues with that because the Bible tells me when I got saved, I became a new creature. Amen. All old things are passed Amen. away. I can't do those. Hey, don't get me wrong. I'm not bad-mouthing them. I'm not down them. I sin. I fall short. Every single day I have to repent and ask God to forgive me and move on my behalf and help me of those things. But also when I do that, He expects me to turn from that and not get myself in that same shape again. He expects me to go forward and keep doing. See, just like the men here of, of, of uh, that Joshua sent out. The Lord told him there in verse 1, and you know, he probably had some doubts in his mind. Lord, we just come up there. That little army just destroyed us, just took everything that we had. There ain't no way we can beat them. Why, you're going to send me right back into that same battle? You're going to send me right back into the same place? And God said, first verse, the Lord said unto Joshua, fear not. Neither be thou dismayed. Take all thy people of war with thee, and arise and go up to Ai. See, I have given into thy hand. The king of Ai and his people and his city and his land. See, so he told him right there. That was it. That's all Joshua needed to know. He said, I'm going to give you the king. I'm going to give you Ai. You take your men and you go up there and you take it. I'm telling you this morning by the authority of God, we can go out there and we can take America back with God's help. You know, not of nothing that I can do. I'm not I'm not holier than thou. I'm not better than you are. But if we're willing and obedient to do what God would ask us to do, I believe that He can move in my on my behalf for my family. He can move on behalf for your family. But at first we must be willing to do those things. Must be willing to get uncomfortable. Hey, it's easy to come to revival. It's easy to come to church. But when God starts requiring something of you, that's when we get hard. That's when it gets harder. When God starts requiring you to stand up and testify. When God starts requiring you to sing a song. When God starts telling you to tell somebody what He's done for you. When God starts requiring you to preach a message that somebody ain't going to like. When God starts requiring you to call sin out. That's when it gets hard. But you know what I found in all of those things? Just like Joshua there, God's with me in everything that I do. If he gives me the thought, he's already laid the foundation for it. He's already got somebody in the midst. He's already got a plan to draw it up of how we get the victory. He just is asking me to be the mouthpiece. And if I won't do it, you better bet that he'll find somebody that will. Just like if you won't do your part, you better bet he will find somebody that will. Because he's got a work that wants done. You think that God, the loving God that we're talking about, he is vengeful. There are things that, that he don't like, that he don't want no part of. 
But my God sent His only begotten Son to this earth for somebody as low down, as wretched as myself. So I know He loves us. And I know He wants to save us because if He can do that for me, He can do it for you. He can do it for your family. See, but we got to be careful though because the adversary is out there. He's walking around telling us, again, telling us this very morning, hey, look at your church, your number's down. You might as well just, I've done one this, I've done one this battle. You can't beat me. You can't defeat me is what he tells us every single day. You can't win that person to the Lord. You can't do that. You can't testify unto them. You can't speak that at work. You can't, you can't, you can't is what he tells us every single day. Yeah, Because right. he truly already knows. You can go back and read the back of the book. He's going to be defeated. Yep. Amen. Amen. He's going to be cast into a lake of fire for all eternity. And if you don't know who God is, you'll be right there with Him. That's why it's important to be alert, to be awake, to see what's going on out there in front of you. Now, I'm not telling you to go surround yourself in the news and bury yourself in the things of the world and what's going on because you'll get consumed by that. Very easily you can be consumed by the things of the world. Very easily Satan can creep in your mind and put doubt in there and think that what, you think that what you're doing is, ain't doing no good. We just see what was it? Four or five souls through this revival that got saved. Take that, Satan. Take that. Hey, that may not have been some big 50,000 number or 5,000 number that we read about, but hey, but we got to start somewhere. Yeah. Every soul is important to God. Yeah, yeah. Every single one, not just the five that was saved, not just the, the 120 that was in attendance yeah. and this revival throughout the week. Every single person on the face of this earth, whether they be Greek, Jew, yeah, Gentile, yeah. Asian, black, white, Native, whatever they are, they're important to God. God loves yeah, them yeah. so much. That he sent his only begotten son to die for that person. For you this morning. He sent him to die for you. Amen. But we must be willing to tell people that. Again, it's easy to do right here. Yeah. It's easy to stand up in church. It's easy to preach when God's all in and all over the place. It's easy to preach when the Spirit's flowing from breast to breast. But you go out in the world. I'll go to work Monday and I'll look Satan dead in the face. And he'll tell me. He might as well just keep your mouth shut. There ain't nobody here wants to hear you. There ain't nobody here cares enough about... If they cared, they'd be in church. That's what he's going to tell you. If they cared, they'd be here. He might as well not even invite them. You've invited them time and time and time again. And they ain't ever come. He's a liar. Yep. Hey, you know how many times I was invited to church that I did not go? Right. I couldn't tell you the number of times. I couldn't count on the numbers. I probably ain't big enough to tell you the times that I was invited to church by somebody and I didn't go. But you know what? I went one time. One day. <laughs> I went one yeah. day. Yep. God revealed himself to me in a mighty way. Amen. And I'm sad to say I ran the other way. I ran out on God. I didn't let him save me the day that he revealed himself to me because I was holding on to everything that the world had to offer me. I was so concerned that I would be miserable and I wouldn't have any fun that I wouldn't be able to do what I wanted to do anymore that I ran out on God. I couldn't wait for the service to be over. I couldn't wait to hit the door. 
But you know what? I got lost that day. For the first time, Brother Jay was testifying early, I really got lost. See, I knew in my heart that I had never been saved. I knew that things wasn't right between me and God. But I had never truly feared the pits of hell like I did that day. Yeah, that's right. I woke up one day that next week. It took me about a month to go back to church. I was scared to death. I would not go back in the door because I knew what happened to me that day. I knew that God had revealed himself to me and told me that I was lost and that I was going to hell. I woke up one morning, nobody around, in a panic attack. I'm in a, in a full-blown panic. I couldn't talk. I couldn't feel my hands. I was numb all over, and I thought, I'm going to die in this shape, and I'm going to hell. That's exactly what I thought. It scared me to death, knowing that I was going to die in that shape. Yep. Yep. The Lord seemed fit to pull me out of that and give me another opportunity, and I went back to church about a month, a couple of weeks later. And I remember sitting there, and I remember God dealing with me. I remember that revelation that I had. That's it. And God said, hey, you what? It's either now or never. I've drew on you. I've showed you. I've given you opportunity. Do you want me or do you not? If you don't want me, you keep living that hellish life that you're living. You keep doing what you're doing. And you'll have fun for a little while, but you'll pay for it in the end. That's right. I was terrified. Scared to death. Sitting there in the third or fourth pew of the church. Terrified. Knowing what was coming my way. But I'm thankful that he had mercy. That he had grace. One more time. One more opportunity that he drew me that morning. That I got things right. That I got saved that day. And I remember coming to myself sitting on the front pew of the altar. Crying my eyes out. Not knowing why. Didn't really understand what just took place. Didn't understand the true love of God. But I had it that day. See, I want that for my family. I want that for my friends. I want that for my co-workers. I want that for your family. Because I know what a peace that it is. I know what the world offers. And I know that if it's fun for a little while, it's fun to chase after the things of the world. Hey, I know I lived it. I lived it for years. I filled that void in my heart with everything I could think of. And I had fun doing it. I'd be lying if I told you I didn't. But every time, that fun that I was having, it wore off. It wore off. It wouldn't sustain me. It wouldn't keep me. It wouldn't make me happy for a long time. Do you know after September 28, 2014, I've been happy. I've been whole. I've been complete. Hey, don't get me wrong. I've failed God miserably since those times. I've let him down. I've dragged his name through the mud. But he's still been faithful to pick me up, dust me back off and say, Son, I love you and I forgive you of that, but just don't do it no more. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Amen. we got to hold that line. That's right. Hold it because hey, Satan's fighting harder today than he ever has. And I believe that in my entire Amen. life. Because I see the things that I grew up with when I was in school, the things that I was involved in, the things that I took part of, ain't nothing like the wickedness that's in our school system. Ain't nothing like the wickedness that your children are facing. Hey, you say, how do you know? Because I was that person. I was the one dragging people out with me. I was the one dragging people down to the pits of hell. I was the one responsible for getting people on drugs, for getting people drunk. I was the one responsible for that. I was able to get it. And so I was supplying all the needs of everyone around me. I was the one 
of different battles. The battle that Gideon went in. He said, hey, I'm not qualified to do this. That's in Judges chapter 6 if you want to read it. I'm not qualified to do this that you're asking me to do. God said, hey, don't worry about it. I'm just paraphrasing. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of you. I'll make sure you're okay. He ends up getting the victory over those things. Right. Over in 2 Chronicles 14, you can read of many, the many Ethiopians that they were going to battle with. And they thought, hey, there's no way, no way we can overcome that. No way we can overcome that great a number. But you know what? They did. You can read of David and Goliath. That big man, that big giant of a man that was calling out God's army and said, Hey, here I am. Come get me. (laughs) Just like Satan does. Hey, I'll be honest with you. Satan does that sometimes. He'll look at you and say, Here I am. You want some? Come get some. Because he knows most of the time we're going to be scared. We're going to run away from it. But David said, Hey, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he's calling out the army of the living God? He said, I'll go. I'll go Amen. because there was a cause in it. Help me to see the cause, Lord. Right. Keep me humble. Keep me on the line. Keep right. me fighting. Amen. Again, we can read about David. Saul tried to kill David in new, I don't know how many times. Time and time again. But God protected David in all of that. See, all God's asked us to do is hold our line. Not to back up, not to give the enemy ground. That's right. Hold on. Hold on to what you've got. Hold fast. Keep pushing forward. Keep pushing toward that mark. Again, I, I was I, I get I got this thought by a, a speech that a man was given. He was talking about the battle of, in Gettysburg of the Little Round Top. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but I've got I printed it out here. I want to read you just a tip, a tip, a bit, little bit of it. And it says, the approaching Confederates were the Alabama Bridge of Hood's division, commanded by Brian General Evander. As the battle progressed, the law realized that he was in command of the division. Colonel James L. Sheffield was eventually notified to assume a grade command, dispatching the 4th, 15th, and 47th Alabama, and the 4th and 5th Texas to Little Round Top. Law ordered these men to take the hill, that they were exhausted, having marched more than 20 miles that day to reach this point. The day was hot. Their canteens were empty. Law ordered to move out and reach them before they could refill their water. Approaching the Union line on the crest of the hill, Law's men were thrown back by the first Union volley and withdrew briefly to regroup. The 15th Alabama, commanded by William Oates, repositioned itself further in a right attempt to find, to find the left Union flank. The left flank consisted of 386 officers, the men of the 20th Marine Regiment and the 83rd Pennsylvania. Seeing the Confederates shifting around his flank, Chamberlain stretched his line to the point where his men were in a single file line, then ordered the southernmost half of his line to swing back dull to a line following another Confederate charge. It was there that they refused the line and formed the angle to the main line in an attempt to prevent the Confederate flanking maneuver. Despite heavy loss, the 20th Marine held through two subsequent charges by the 15th Alabama and other Confederate regiments of a total of 90 minutes. Chamberlain, knowing that his men were out, knowing that his men were out of ammunition, his numbers were being depleted, and his men were not able, would not be able to repulse another Confederate attack. 
ordered his men to equip bayonets with counterattack. He ordered to the left wing, which had been pulled back to advance in a right wheel forward maneuver. As soon as they were in line with the rest of the regiment and the remainder of the regiment would charge again to a door swing shut. The simultaneously front assault and flanking maneuver halted and captured a good portion of the 15th Alabama. While Chamberlain ordered the advance, Lieutenant Holman, a spontaneously and separate chamber, commanded the initial charge from the center of the line. That further aided, aided the regiment's efforts. During their retreat, their Confederates were subjected to a volley of rifle fire from Company B of the 20th Marine, commanded by Captain Walter Morrill, and a few of the 2nd U.S. sharpshooters had been placed by Chamberlain behind a stone wall to the east, being held guard against the envelope of this group had been hidden from sight, caused considerable confusion in the Confederate ranks. See, they held the line because they knew, hey, this is it. They had done them in attack multiple times. The, the army was coming at them, putting everything that they had, and trying their best to destroy them. Joshua Chambers said, hey, we can't withdraw. We can't withhold another one of these. We can't withstand another attack. He said, so you equip yourselves, and you get ready to run the battle. Yeah. You get ready to run down that hill, and you get ready to fight. They did. They captured the Confederate army, and what I've read... Some say that that was a pivotal battle in that, in that war. Said that if the Confederate would have took that battle, that they would have took the war. See, so the importance of holding the line, it may seem small to you. It may be a small battle that you're fighting right now. It may be a small thing that God's telling you, hey, hold that line. Don't give up ground. Hold on. But in the end, it may seem small now, but in the end, it may be what causes the victory. That's right. Right. Don't get me wrong, God already has the victory. But it may be the victory in your life that you're needing. It may be your son, your daughter, your wife, your mom, your dad. Yep. Maybe that you holding that line and being faithful to God is what ensures that victory. That's right. It's important for us to hold the line this morning. It's important for us not to give up ground. Again, Satan's going to tell you that it ain't important. Yep. It don't matter what you do. You're small in the scheme of things. That your, your walk with God does not matter. I'll tell you this morning that it does. Amen. Amen. You can read countless men, countless women in the Bible who depended upon God. And he supplied their needs. He took care of everything that they needed. But they were faithful to him. They resisted the devil. Resisted what he had in front of. Didn't didn't back up on the line. Didn't give no ground. Hey, that's what I'm telling you. You can't give ground. No ground do you give up. Keep taking ground from him. Keep taking more from him. You say, how do I take more from Satan? How do you get in your word? You study. You read. You pray. You get in your closet. You do whatever you have to do. And you can take ground from Satan. You can take your life back. Maybe you've been saved. Maybe you just ain't living right. That's right. Maybe Satan's yeah. got you in the spot where he's backed you up yeah. against the wall and say, hey, you might as well give up. Yeah. You might as well quit coming to church. You might as well throw in the towel. You might as well not do anything else for God because he don't hear you. He don't care. It's a lie. Yeah. He's a liar and the father of him. That's what the word of God tells me. Yeah. Don't listen to him. Take your ground back. Press forward. Amen. Get back on the fire line. Yeah. Bible says God won't. Uh, 
The songbook says God will only use a soldier he can trust. Keep on the firing line. I want to be a soldier that God can trust. I want to be on that firing line. Hey, I want to be on that front line of defense. Hey, I may take a few steps. I may take a few shots. I may take some things. I may get some bumps, some bruises, some cuts, some nicks. I may get some wounds. But I want to be on the front line. I want to be about doing God's business. I want to be where He had me to be. Because I don't live in the back is where God wants any of us. I believe if we're honest that God would have every one of us on the front line. With everything that we have, tooth and nail, every single day, every hour, every minute, hand in hand, united with our brother, united with our sister. Fine. Hey, it don't matter that just this church, it don't matter that we just come out of church in revival harmony, it don't matter what the name is above the door, what matters is that you are the church of the living God, and He wants us to unite and fight the battles that we are. He's called us to fight. He wants us to be, like Brother Stephen mentioned it earlier, go out to the highways and the byways. Compel those that are lost. Get them in here. It don't have to be here. Maybe somebody you know lives in Seymour, lives in Knoxville. Hey, there's churches in those places that are standing the same way that we're standing. Invite them there. Invite them to come. Hold your ground. Don't give up ground to Satan. Because he, he'll take Amen. He'll take more than what you intend to give him. You start giving him a little, he'll start inching more and more. Day after day, he'll take more from you. Amen. He'll rob you. He'll steal from you. He'll make you whine. You won't understand what's going on. But if you hold that line, yeah. if you'll fight the battle, if you'll fight the good fight, hey, I want to be like Paul. Yeah. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. I want to be able, when my time comes to the end, I want to say, Lord, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I want to be able to say that. As of right now, I stand before you on January 15th at 1248. As of right now, my battle's not over. My race ain't running yet. I'm still running it. Now, it may end before this day's over. And it may not, it may go on for 20, 30, 40, 50 more years. I don't know. But I want to be found in the faith. I want to be found fighting the fight. I want to be found doing what God had me to do. And in order for me to do that, I've got to hold my line. I can't hold your line for you. I can't hold your family in place. I can't hold you accountable for you. God can, and you can. Brother Tommy, you come get a song, whatever you want to do, I'm coming to a club. Don't let Satan steal from you this morning. Don't let him take your line. Let me see if we can, I I believe the word was applicable today. There's an importance for us to, we we spent the last eight months getting ready for a revival. We didn't know where it was going to be or or how, and and God's finally sent it. It's not over. If we don't hold the line, which means what? It means we have to continue in our prayer. So don't think for a minute just because a revival is finished that we can now stop praying or somehow stop being engaged. I believe this is just the beginning. So we need to continue in prayer. By the way, the men will meet tomorrow night at 6.30 at Harmony. We're going to meet there to make it easier for others to get, get together. But we're coming back for prayer Monday night. 
You say, well, the, the revival just ended. We, we got to hold the line. We know that prayer is what made the difference. I believe God honored the prayers of all the men, all the women that have been faithful to pray and, and sacrifice and commit themselves and allow God to make and do. And I'm grateful if we'll just keep holding the line. Because here's what I believe. I believe God's going to send another revival. I believe it's right behind this one. I believe it's close. And when it's done there, if we'll hold the line, I believe he's going to send another and another. Now it's the time. Right now is the time to be engaged. So if you've not invested, if you've not engaged in this battle, you need to become a part of it. You need to commit yourself today. You need to get into the... I thought of what he said. These men that were holding the flank, I heard, I heard that same man not long ago. Those men that were holding the flank, they were no longer backed up by anybody. They fought side by side. Right? I used to love it when people say, I got you back. How about coming beside me? Yeah. Right? I, I don't need you behind me. I need you beside me. And let's go forward and hold that line. Let's press into that battle. I believe God's stronger than the enemy every day of the week. The question is, are you engaged? Right? So as we say, if you're here tonight or today, I'm just going to give you some encouragement. You may be out of ammunition. You may not know where the next front's coming from, but how about putting your bayonet on and let's take it to him. Right? Let's engage in the battle and hold the line God's given us to hold. If you're here and need him, Come pray.